I'm Jack, welcome to the Deep Blue Podcast and today we'll be diving into conversation with Andre Bodai and he's the owner of the Silky Smooth Barbers on Albert Road. Thank you for having me, hello everyone. So tell us a bit about your business. Well, we started four years ago, 2017, as a small barber shop. We used to have only two chairs, now it's like three chairs, so slowly we kind of grew. It used to be a different barber before. And I was the crazy one to take over because, you know, there are so many barbers in Albert Road, so you have to have courage to do this. Being so much competition, what made you want to take over that barber? Well, I used to work from home as a barber and mm. I noticed that the business, uh, when you work from home, doesn't you don't get new clients as much when you have a shop. So uh, well, we were expecting a kid, so I said it's time to do something more serious and uh, build a business. So I took over the, the, the shop close to our house and that was the decision. Crazy enough to go with that. And was the previous barber being successful as it own or was it struggling and you had to try and rebuild it? What state was it in? It was not really good reputation and uh, that was one of the issues that we have for uh, six months as uh, people knew that the previous owner was not really or the previous barbershop was not really a uh, good reputation so we have to build up that instead of opening a new one and we were like oh let's give it a try. Uh, I didn't know this before I took over the place so <laughs> But now, after four years, I can say it was still a good decision. Is it difficult with the amount of competition? Because you've got barbers near you, you've got really barbers on every street. Well, uh, so you've got to build a good relationship with the customers in order to make them think, okay, you're the one I want to cut my hair. Yeah, the difference between, for example, Portsmouth and London is that we have more regulars than in London. In London, there are so many uh, barbershops where you just go wherever the job takes you, go in and out, and you never come back. So here it's more like community, local, regulars. So yeah, that's one of the things you have to uh, look after, have a good uh, customer service on top of the haircuts that you provide. So uh, we were putting a lot of uh, accent and we are like really focusing on this to make sure that people are happy and try to get feedbacks from them, see what's good and keep it, what's not good and try to adjust. And uh, yeah, like in anything, competition, the way I say it, it's uh, nothing but good things. If you just have only one, I don't know, uh, mobile company, they can do whatever. But when it starts to be two or three or four, you have different packages, different offers. So it's the same with the barbers. When you can have different prices, different finish, different hours that you work, different uh, barbers, different music inside of a barbershop. So people can choose. So once they chose you and you are doing whatever they want, they're going to stay with you as long as you look after them. But for me or for us, competition is nothing but a good thing. If you know how to... Be a bad world if there's only one barber. Charge whatever they want and if people thought, right, I'm not paying this and try to cut their own hair, it would not be a pretty sight outside. Well, that's their own decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, not if they're charging £300 for a haircut. Now, the thing is... Rather go bold. When this happens, if the barber is not good and is charging a lot, people are willing to try. And they use Google, they use technology to look for best barber and they look for like 20 miles radius. So... Uh, whoever is still doing that, like 300 pounds for a crappy uh, haircut, they're not going to be successful because now everyone has a car, has a bike, so they can move to get a better service. So <laughs> yeah. we have to keep this in consideration, you know. Like yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not like 50, 100 years ago what it used to be. So no, it wasn't endorsement of monopolies. Competition is best. I'm just just saying that it's better. It's I suppose I suppose it is difficult for you having all this competition, but on one hand, it's also benefit for the consumer. Yeah. 
because more choices, yep. everyone have to compete on price, so yep. someone who charges 20 quid will even have to provide a really good service as opposed to go with the guy who's charging 15 quid. That's, that's, yeah. So we have to look at the, like you said, consumer, client. As long as they're happy, the owner should be happy because uh, if they're not happy, that means they have a problem with uh, running a business, like cost, uh, what tools they're using and stuff like that. Because if you're a busy business, busy barbershop, and you still don't, you're not happy, like you don't make good money, that means you're not a good uh, manager. So you need to hire someone to run the business for you, even though you are offering a good haircut. And how does hiring work? Because obviously you don't do all the haircuts, trying to get people you trust in order to serve your customers, have a good conversation with them. What's the, the process like hiring? You mean with the, with the staff that we're working? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this industry and it's in not beauty saying. in general, uh, we work more on a self-employment kind of base. Okay. So, uh, like this, you know that uh, the oh, the stylist gives the best. Uh, the client has the the best service, and also the the uh, shop. It's a good view because uh, I will go expand a little bit. So when people are going for one of the barbers mm -hmm. because they are self-employed, the, the barber gives the best because next time when they book, they're going to book with them. So they're going to make uh, the money. Even though they're coming to the shop, they're going to go to a specific uh, uh, stylist, a specific barber mm -hmm. because he's giving 110%. So uh, the client knows that he's going to give the best haircut. The owner knows that the, the shop is busy and the stylist needs that it's good because uh, he's making money. So that's why the, the self-employment in this industry, as, uh, as long as you have the passion, is the best, uh, uh, is the key to success. So it's not a case of having okay, a staff member on a contract, they work nine to five, just compared to say view cinema, restaurants or other places that just hire anyone 16 year old on the whim, but with barbers it's a specific skill. So they've got more power in negotiation. Yeah, I would say that not all the businesses are the same, but in general, this is how they, they work. Because you, you cannot say like, oh, be here from uh, six in the morning till 12, because no one is coming for a haircut in those hours. You know, right. like if, if I pay someone per hour and they don't make any, they, do, they don't do any haircuts, how, I, how I'm gonna be able to pay them? So is it paid per haircut versus paid on standby? Yeah, depends on the business. Mm -hmm. But the best way that I found it's per per like amount that you work. It's not per hours. Like how how much how efficient you are in that time that you spend in the shop. So it's not it's not the uh, ideal. It's not to stay nine till nine and do one haircut when you can stay two hours and do four haircuts. It's so much easier for businesses such as such as View or even convenience stores where pay was based off results. So I go into shops in downtown. Let's for example CEX be a quiet day there's nobody serve customers and that sh business is still paying those people to stand around just because they're on standby versus the best system which be be able to pay them when there's actually customers uh, i'm not sure about other businesses because it's it's a service that we offer they offer product yeah but more, they... more, more like cx for the, the one that you mentioned it's more like they offer uh products and services so yeah, yeah but they're the customer that most sisters offering a service as handling your purchase for you but they can't offer that service if there's no customers in the store in the first place. So if you had a, so if the case of those customers CX staff to be on standby, when when a customer does walk in, they could buy I don't know the next Call of Duty, they pay and the customer assistant gets percent gets I don't know commission either percentage whatever was bought, or okay you get three pounds per sale or something like that. 
I know that in some uh, some companies, this like bonus and uh, commission and percentage they have from the sales. For example, for uh, companies that are selling uh, uh, phone services, I don't know, three EE. So as the more contracts that you uh, do, the more uh, bonus you have, the more uh, commission. So I don't know if CX is the case. So there are some businesses there kind of have a mix from hourly pay plus the bonus. So I don't know. I, I cannot talk about other businesses. I can talk about our one. Well, they need to have more of that. You need more um, commission-based sales to give an incentive for persons to want to sell more versus just make the job as easy as possible to get to the end. Definitely. Or even cases of maybe getting some stock in that company. Yeah. I mean, I'm not for, I'm not bad. I'm not one of those people who think, okay, the, the workers should own the business, but they should have some part in the business so they can share the success because that makes them work. Yeah, those are the managers. <laughs> and the regional manager area that they, they get a, a commission or percentage uh, bonus from the sales. Well, it might as well as well. So they, they, the job of the manager is to make the employee the sailors to, to do their job so you know what I mean like I know but it would just squeeze squeeze that very last bit of effort out of them so if just work a little bit extra harder because you're not gonna have a manager who's just constantly staring at someone's shoulder no it's chance. not about staring it's about how to motivate a person to do something so and I think a commission would motivate them for some we're not the same so everyone uh, it's triggered by different uh, motivational stuff so maybe motivated by a nice uh, atmosphere at work, they maybe they're motivated by flexible hours, maybe if they are motivated by money, maybe by uh, having uh, a night out with the, with the staff, so everyone chooses uh, a job or the motivational package the way they works for them. Well, I would still like to see a system where staff got discounted stocks, for example. But going back to the barber business, I'm guessing it's a pretty safe industry because you see things with automation and Something shady as hard, for example, with a leaflet company I work for, most of it's been, it goes gone down to social media. But with hair, it's no one's going to stop growing hair. So your industry is pretty safe. Or do you see anything that could potentially threaten it, such as the pandemic? How did you fare through that? Well, nothing is safe for sure. And the thing is, with services, we are safer, I would say. Uh, but unfortunately, we are not as a prime need for the people like that's why we've been severe affected because we were the first to close and last to open because we can survive as a individual as a species without any haircut without any tattoos without any uh, painting the nails or the hair so uh, or having a massage we can survive as an individual but so those are more like luxury services luxury uh, goods have you considered expanding uh, to those well, you mentioned those luxury services that other company, other businesses offer. Have you considered maybe adding some of those to your own business? Ah, no, no, no. We are just gonna stick with the barbers. Uh, maybe I'm gonna start some collaboration or partnership with someone else, but I will not be directly uh, involved in that because I have no skills in doing any of the ones that I mentioned, like doing tattoos. But I know some some places they have barber shop and a tattoo in the same kind of premises. So. They're, they're working good together, some of them. The same with the nails and uh, massage or makeup and uh, uh, sunbeds. So. so what's the um, future going to be? Are you thinking about expansion, maybe new locations? Or if you're not adding new services, what does the future of your business hold? What At the moment, plans? we are looking to get as uh, 
most regular as possible and as uh, constant because it's still uncertainty like what's going to happen October, November, if we're going to have another wave going to close or not. So at the moment, we're just looking to, to be open and to reach our full business potential. And after that, we'll see if we can uh, uh, try to put another chair in the shop or get another shop or uh, get uh, extra shop. Or, you know, for the moment, we're just looking to survive and keep what we have then uh, go risky again and yeah if you did start another store do you think you know the right people to manage it who you could trust to run it because obviously you could not be in two locations yeah that's that's a, a thing or an issue that i have and how i'm gonna work because there are different ways you can go in the franchise or ownership or partnership so there, there are different ways that you can expand if it's local you can kind of split in two places, maybe two days in one shop, three days or four days in the new location. But for example, if you want to open another one in Reading or Guildford, definitely you have to look for someone to be there. So it's more like a partnership with another good barber or someone that you trust and you can expand. So yeah, there, there are things that you have to take in consideration when you do that. I'm just going to pause it there. I'm out of questions. So is there anything else you think you can me- you'd like to mention that the people in- listeners be interested in? I can't think of anything else we have to cover. Oh, we can say how we can use the technology in this about the, like how we run the appointment in the last year, people got using the hangovers to me. So <laughs> talk so. about the appointment system. Yeah, like okay. how you can use the social, <coughs> we can talk about how we can use the social media, how we can use the hmm. appointment system or, you know, the technology. So how does your business work in cases of social media and advertising on there? Uh, as I was telling you, my goal was to get uh, as busy as possible and as efficient as possible. And I realized it's very easy to do, do so by having appointments. So back in December 18, we decided to start working bookings and appointments. So we kind of uh, introduced this uh, booking system, online booking system to the, to the clients. So the last year with the pandemic and uh, everything it has to be scanned getting into the uh, pub or uh, booked your restaurant or whatever it it helped help us a lot to start having more appointments so that means if you can do it only 10 in the morning you can just go online anytime you want and you look for the 10 in the morning either it's tuesday or saturday so we're not gonna like, like this we notice that we don't have friday saturdays as busy as possible we are constant amount of uh, work regardless what day it is, if it's end of the month or beginning of the month, middle of the month, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So our uh, online system or booking system, it's 24 seven. You just go on the website. Uh, We don't, at the moment, we don't have any uh, uh, fees or like uh, uh, prepaid uh, money. You don't get any commission out of that? No, because we are flexible with this. They can, basically, the way I say it, they can have, they've been pinged, so they have to stay home. And at the moment, we keep everything, no no money up front, uh, no cancellation fee. We are as flexible as possible and understanding with them as well. And going back to the social media, we are using most of the main social media like Facebook, Instagram. We have TikTok as well. We are on Google, Google Business. So we have the website, which was, for me, was a big mistake. So if any of the business owner are listening uh, and they don't have a website, uh, 
it's a must because any social platform is gonna disappear, your website is still gonna be there so people can still contact you. If you have only Instagram and for some reason overnight Instagram is gonna be down or it's gonna disappear, they cannot reach you, but they can go on the website and they can see your details as an email or a phone number or something else and reach you. And that's a very, very important thing. Plus you have the control over it, then you're gonna be banned or blocked by Facebook. Um, what was doing hairdressing like? In the pandemic, other than the stores being closed, you had customers had to wear masks and you had to wear masks while doing the hair. Did that make it any more difficult? It was challenging because uh, in hair, especially the industry, you had to use the visor and the mask. So that made us, uh, uh, that was quite challenging because you know when you have the visor and the mask, it gets really steamy. So in order to have a 4K vision, not the SD vision. <laughs> you had to find all kinds of ways and tricks to kind of ventilate the uh, visor to don't get steamy. But uh, otherwise everything was okay and we had like window open, uh, uh, had the fan on and tried to uh, get the airflow and you know avoid all of this contamination and uh, getting ill from each other. But the good thing now seeing it back it's People are more aware of the all the germs and illnesses and the disease that can spread. So they are cleaning their tools more often, the chairs, the, the shelves. And the, like, uh, I, I hope they're going to keep it because I know so many barbers are ignoring this and like, oh, it's fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I hope that made us all aware of what can happen, like the invisible enemy that we have around us. All that hair that gets cut, does that get recycled or just go in the bin? Just, just goes in the bin. Uh, if you wonder like, oh, can you have a wig or that? Yeah, there are some special uh, centers that they collect, but you need to have a certain length and has to be as uh, healthy as possible, like not chemical damage and very well looked after. Uh, so you can use it to make a natural wig uh, hair. So, so barbers are not going to be well looked after because it's landed on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I remember some funny videos before, it was probably during April when the barbers and other shops weren't open, where if people wanted a haircut, some barbers went to the house, and what they did was they got their hair, and if it was long enough, it was a woman, they would stick it outside a window, close the window, and then they'd let the barber cut it. Some really weird ones, and there was even one woman I saw on a show, Have I Got News For You, which they put it through the letterboxes for barber who was outside. So people would come up, I don't, I, I don't think it's the vast majority of people, but some people were really desperate for haircut to go through those things. I, or just want to be open up like sensational social media. I, I think that was more just trying to get viral on social media, on TikTok or stuff like that, because I, I, I'm not aware of any of these practices. So oh, the, no, it's a, a, funny, a funny video that I've seen, it was one, one lad that he had uh, like loads of hair, mm -hmm. and he put waxing cream on the uh, sides and back. Yeah. And after that, he used a Hoover, a vacuum cleaner, to take all that. So he had like a Mohica on the middle. <laughs> so he didn't have to shave or cut with the clippers. So he just put the waxing cream. <laughs> you say waxing cream, for a second I thought you meant he put wax on it and he went... No, 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 not that one. The one that is like melting the hair. So you could use the Hoover. Still have a scalp? Yeah. <laughs> well, somewhere in... Uh, a redneck in US by the accent and the way he was acting and it was more like something viral on the social media so I don't recommend anyone to do that. <laughs>
Yeah, so, probably only in Alabama. I have no idea. I didn't track back to see where he's coming from. Yeah, because I was say, go to the point where you burn off your hair with essentially acid. Yeah, why not? Why not just take a regular, a regular a, razor? You have at least go... one year to grow it back, so you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to laugh, but I just can't imagine myself going through it and the pain. Well, that's why I said I, I don't recommend that, so you don't have to do it. Yes, uh, just telling you all this, I do not recommend it either. <laughs> so, what you discussed in this interview, is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners if they wanted to get into the industry themselves, or maybe even just wanted to become barbers and be self-employed? What would you recommend to the listeners of the steps they need to go through to do that? Well, Business what I recommend to everyone is to follow their passion. doesn't matter if it's... Uh, being a singer, a painter, or an athlete, or a barber, as long as you have the passion, you're gonna be willing to learn more and invest more time in uh, developing better skills. So if barbering is one of the things that they, they wanna do, just uh, they, they can reach any uh, high school, any academies, they can go on YouTube, they can, uh, if you just type on Google, how to become a barber they're gonna track you down with their courses so you're gonna find something you can uh, learn how to do it but at the end of the day in this uh, industry it's about practice and actions and how it's not how many courses and classes and books you read it's about how many haircuts so you have to butcher some hair at the beginning and uh, if you want to do that uh, find some go to your barber and tell listen i want to become a barber I'm gonna bring my granddad, I'm gonna bring my dad, I'm gonna bring my son, I'm gonna bring my best friend uh, to butcher the hair. Can you assist me and can you guide me what I'm doing good, what I'm doing bad and what should I do? So, you know, but to get a, a license and to get a certificate, you need to go for a proper academy, to a proper uh, high school to get that uh, NBQ qualification, to get insurance and that. It's, it's different to get, it's like, you know how to drive a car, but you don't have a driver's license. So in order to be legal, you have to <laughs> go to... How long would, it, would these courses be if, if it's in um, school? How long would you say from starting to finishing could they depends become on, a barber? Depends on the age. can be like if you're like 15, 16, you can go to college and last for uh, one, two years. If you're uh, of a certain age, you can go for like a fast track course and can be three to six months. You take can three to six months to learn the skill? No, to get the qualification. To learn the skills, it's like you you get your driver license, but 20 years later you still don't know how to drive, but you legally can drive. <laughs> you don't know how to do parallel parking, so it's the same. Like you have the qualification, but you don't know how to cut hair because you're learning. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Learn how to cut hair. That's what I'm saying. The skill. Learning, the skill of learning how to cut hair. From my point of view, having a qualification and knowing how to uh, do that, it's different. Yeah, yeah, of course. The qualification is you yeah, yeah, legally you can, you, being... You can be like three to six months, you can get the qualification, but it takes, I would say, at least one year in a busy shop to know and learn the basic properly. I would have you thought, have to practice things. I know, but I would have thought from your description, because I don't say qualification, the legal finding, say, certificate, versus skill actually knowing how to do it, I would assume once you'd done this course, there would have been some sort of, okay, I, I want to view you doing these people, and if I'm happy with the results, then you have the qualification. I assume that was going to be similar to, I did maths for, for five years, and 
okay, in all, I, I've, you've, I've seen you learn this stuff, but I want you to do something to confirm it, then I give you the qualification. I no, assume that's all, how the course would have worked. You, you also cut hair during your qualification, but I wouldn't call that you know, how to cut hair, because you, you have different types of haircuts, different types of hair type, of client, age, uh, color, the way that hair reacts when you cut it, so you need how to have experience. How would the color of the hair affect the way it's cut? Well, you know, when you do a skin fade, you need to know how to do that nice graduation, that fade, you know, going like zero to mm -hmm. like from, from light color to dark color. So that's how the color affects if it's dark hair with white, uh, with light color uh, skin, skin color, then you, it's a, you have to know how to blend. If it's uh, white hair, gray hair and uh, light color of the skin, mm -hmm. it's diff it's going to react different. Steps are the same, but you have to uh, know how to. So, from what you describe, it sounds like these courses don't really teach you much, and if they're going to let you get the qualification, even though they have, don't think you've got really got one hundred percent of the skill. No, definitely they're going to teach you. Otherwise, they wouldn't have their. Uh, I'll say they wouldn't be authorized to give you a qualification. But it's about the individual how fast he's learning mm. his heavy skills under his belt. Because I know people that learn in three months. And I know barbers that after three years, they're not one after three months being in the shop. Mm. Like both of them have qualification, but it's about how serious they are and the passion and, and the skill. So I, I'm, I'm comparing this with driving. I know people, they have they don't have the, the uh, driver license, but they are they know how to drive better than the one that years driving. Well, I know everyone varies differently and hopefully, of course, it will give you extra support because that's what a lot of courses do. Because I had a friend, Charlie, who he struggled with. He either got someone who helped him in one of his lessons, say, I teach you how the guy called Jack Sullivan named Miss Briggs, who would help him in history, explain things even better after the teacher would explain them. Or worst case scenario, some people were held back. So I do understand they get the extra support and support, but it's even what you were describing earlier, where they can get the qualification, but still not be 100% there. So is there cases of a friendship where even a, a person would just be able to have someone hired and just do it? Irregularly in the business. Oh, they're, say, they're a barber, they're okay. taking apprentice and you can learn and... That's the, that sounds like a more better way of doing it, because you get paid on the job as well. Yeah, I suppose. But I don't know how many barbers, as a, uh, like as an apprentice, it's different in a hairdresser and different in a barber. Hair dry, you can do a wash, you can make coffee barber quick, in and out, like half an hour, maybe now uh, service. Apprentice can't really help us pay someone's hair. They, they those clients, they're not gonna come back. Like I, I can be there, but I cannot fix the haircut, so they're not gonna be happy. Uh, the the barber they are doing procedure and approach to having apprentice. Maybe they they take all the people that have like zero zero logo, so in order for clippers, know how to use it. I, I don't know, cause uh, I I I haven't been in contact with barber. I I, don't, I try once work. Would you ever? So would you never consider doing it again? I had someone, and based on my day right now that I'm, I can help people but not as pay them and have them shop and affect my so if you for example if you want to be if you want to learn how to cut hair you can come to my shop uh, let's say uh, I'm more available or free Tuesday at 5 bring your dad and I will tell you how to cut his hair but I'm not going to be able to give you a, a license to give you an MBQ diploma or stuff like that but I can teach you basic how to scissor, how to hold comb, how to hold a clipper do a basic haircut but I, I'm not going to I'm willing to help but I'm not willing to sacrifice or put my, my business in danger for teaching because what happens <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day it's about the regulars like I was saying that are coming back we are not busy area where like people are coming out care as much the haircuts having me right now Andre, thanks for taking to Blue. Oh, thank you for having me. And guys, 
my advice for you is follow your passion and whatever you want to do it and you find cheers thank you for listening to deep blue podcast you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter links in the description if there's anyone you'd like me to have on feel free to drop me an email you can also watch the interview on youtube and see clips of topics we discuss next week will be part two of my interview with andrew and rob where we talk about their new fragrance business see you then